Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the latest episode of Soccer in the City. Tom Colker, Glenn Crooks, Roberto Bromwich, John Rojas talking New York City FC and Major League Soccer. Guys, so much to get to with these games coming in fast and furious right now. Essentially, every team in Major League Soccer playing two games a week. Of course, the focus on this podcast is is New York City-centric, so we're going to start there, then we'll work our way out to notes and news around the league and a lot to talk about, especially in the Eastern Conference. But let's start with this. Uh, New York City, 2-1 loss at home to New England. Now, this is a game, Glenn, which we saw New England jump out to a quick lead until Bumberry in the third minute got the early goal. New York City had a couple opportunities, one in stoppage time in the first half and then early on in the second half, uh, thanks to Valentin Castellanos, but uh, a a key save and, and... couple good plays defensively by New England negated those opportunities. New England would get a, another goal off of a, a PK that was drawn by Polster. It was Lee Wynn finishes in the 80th minute, and New York City would get one back in the 93rd minute on a header by Collins, but uh, a little too late for New York City in this one. First of all, just your overall thoughts of this match. It's obviously tough when a team gets an early goal like that, and New England had the momentum you know, from the, from the third minute moving forward for the most part. Yeah, the, the, the team that scores first in soccer uh, generally has a good result. I mean, that's just the way it is. And, uh, for instance, New England uh, coming into the game hadn't won a game that they trailed by a goal. And uh, so, yeah, but I just – I look at the stats, man. Uh, New York City dominated in the statistical department. And, and this is fr- – from looking at the stats and then watching the game and then seeing the result, which was beyond fair, that result – uh, these stats are as misleading as anything I've ever read. 66% pos- uh, possession, outshooting them 16-12, 8-5 on target, uh, corners 9-4. Um, you know, all the, the edge was there, but I'll tell you, it was, uh, it was not a well-played game. And uh, it was pretty disappointing, you know, coming off the, the three straight, you know, they're th- winning three on the trot. Scoring early in all three matches, but they had uh, that table turned. And uh, I, the goal scored by Bunbury was almost symbolic of the rest of the evening, as was the second goal, which uh, Polster was free on a throw-in. I mean, you talk about turning off. I mean, the fact he was able to, to receive that uh, with no defensive pressure, walk in towards goal, and then Collins came in late. You could dispute the penalty all you want. It was awkward. Uh, I don't think there's any argument. And... Uh, you know, a well-deserved loss is uh, the way I would say that. And that's coming off, you know, whatever you want to say about D.C. United, it's coming off a, a very well-played game against D.C. United. 
So uh, unfortunate fifth loss in the last 59 matches at Yankee Stadium. So it doesn't happen very often, uh, but it happened uh, uh, and a very fair result on Sunday. Can a loss be a good thing? Not in this case. Here's the only here's the positive that I get out of this, okay? Because I thought the team didn't play well. I agree with all your evaluations of how they played, and uh, and we talked about this after the game about how it didn't seem that the team was focused. There was so many errant passes. Um, there was something about the team just didn't come out. It didn't seem prepared uh, mentally for the game, physically, tactically. They probably were. But just there was something mentally off that was of other team. But more importantly for me was that it shows that this isn't a complete team anymore. There's just too many players that are out. And I know that Maxi Morales probably comes back on Wednesday and definitely next Sunday unless he has some sort of setback. But uh, this team has holes up front. And uh, we, we saw with Eber not being the same ever as we saw last year. Then he winds up getting hurt. So now you have only one number nine on the team again, which is uh, Tati Castellanos. And I get that it's hard to bring people in because of where the transfer window is for the rest of the, um, for the, rest of the world. I know for us, it's uh, October 29th. But this team has a depth problem up front now. And we've when seen enough. Get, when are you going to get to the part, it's a, it was a good loss? Well, the, it shows the whole point that I'm trying to make is that this That's what I'm loss, trying to get to. Okay, this loss shows that this lack of depth that this team has and that I think that it has to address for it to be successful in the playoffs is something that they've got to go out and do something because I don't think that the team now is presently structured if you devise a smart defensive plan against New York City and you have the right players, as Bruce Arena was able to do, okay, then you need somebody who's going to break something down and it's going to be more than just Maxi Morales. And I think that you need somebody else who you can bring off the bench because right now you have two goalies on the bench who are playing. Everybody who's healthy is playing, is there. And the fact that you need to put two goalies on there is because you just don't have enough players. Yes, and we know that Gideon Zalalan might be close to coming back. Don't even mention him. Sti- but you still have – why not? I mean, if, if we're going to see the guy gonna, play. He's not going to contribute? Well, not at all. And we had this discussion in March. Okay. Keep going. Well, that, that's, we'll see what happens with them. Roberto, okay. I'm still, what's the positive? I still don't get what the, the positive is. The positive loss is that I know, I'm, wait, wait, wait. I want to translate. I, no, I, 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 don't need, I, don't need, I don't need a translate. No, no. I would the like, I would like to make a succinct. Up, no, nope. I'm, I'm making the problems a point. Are. Nope. I'm going to make the point. Uh, Roberto's positive here is that the club is forced to do something now because of their lack of depth. So the positive is they've got to get somebody. Now, if they if next they beat New England, if they no. beat New England the other night, Tom, what what Roberto was saying, it would hide the fact that they don't have this depth and need somebody. So the positive is they got to go out and get somebody. But who are they going to get? A league, a USL League One striker? I mean, who are they going to get? Exactly. Uh, well, they're going to have to look within MLS, and they and I don't know what's going to be able to happen outside of MLS. If there's any team that is structured with who owns them to be able to scout the world and find where there are available players, it's New York City. Yeah, I'll give you uh, that. Let's let John chime in. 
And John, real, real quick, do you agree with Glenn's assessment that the stats just don't match up in this one? Oh, no, totally, totally. And I agree with that it was uh, a deserved loss. I mean, it was an ugly game. It was painful to watch. Uh, yes, take it from both sides. And uh, I totally agree with, with all, all the categories. New York City FC won all the categories on this match, except for fouls, and they lost the game, deservedly so. So it was an <laughs> ugly match. But the problem is, is more profound than, you know, not being lucky on one game. If you see, let me, let's, let's do something together. Um, who is playing real good games and which team is a really solid game? So a really solid team. Columbus, right? You can say Columbus is a solid Toronto. team, right? Run, Glenn? No, no, right. I was, oh, I was just adding, okay. I was adding right. Toronto. Right, yeah, because I, w- I want you guys to get on this. I, I think we can get on the same page, and that will be the rooted problem. I mean, this is not one thing happening, okay? Columbus is a really good team. Chicago is not a really good team yet, right? New England is not a really good team yet. DC United is not a good team. Cincinnati is not a good team, right? So Inter-Miami is not a good team yet. Well, those are the games that New York City FC have won. New England, Cincinnati, uh, Chicago, Miami, D.C. They lost against Toronto. They lost against Columbus. Oh, the Columbus is no, the only Col- one that they won. They beat won. Columbus no, as they well. They right. lost one and beat one. That's the only thing, the only game that they won with a real, you know, a structured team. Other than that, well, no, those they- points- they, beat, right, New and MLS is they beat New England at New England, though. They that beat was New, right. New, New England. New England is not a real good, solid team. But John you know, doesn't have them in their sure. upper echelon, right, John? Yeah, so you're looking at Toronto, Philadelphia, Columbus, and Orlando is what you're saying. Yeah, Miami, Cincinnati. Those are, are the rivals that New York City have beaten. Yeah. So this no, team is not – you know, we saw this team at the beginning of the year as a, as a solid team – a solid roster, depth roster in all positions, and now this is just falling apart. Well, but the, lo- the loss of Matriza and, and Ebert, Tom, and then Maxi's Maxi. coming back. But look yep. at this bench. And, Roberto, this is what we talked about after. The bench, the bench for New York City was Scali, Matarita, Ibiaga, Makai Steven, Juan Pablo Torres, uh, Cacha Acevedo, and Tony Rocha. Yep. Not one fiery, dynamic, attacking player there. Maybe if you want to put Matarita in that category, go ahead. So, so uh, you, look at New England on there. Diego Fagundes. Put it worst. Buxa and, and Kakuda Mane. Not only yeah. that, Glenn, put, put it worst than that. Only one player on that bench that the coach has shown that really trust in him, Ronald Matarita. And Makai Steven. And Makai Steven. Well, yeah, Makai Steven is his guy. Right, I know. But see, so, so that's a problem, right? So New York City, they had two players who could be considered offensive changes that they could bring into the game. One was Makai Steven, and the other one was Matarita, who's a defender, okay? Who goes forward, but is still a defender. Then later on in the game, in the 83rd minute, he's looking to see. So he does what any coach would do when you're trying to chase a game. And you're down two goals. You're taking out two defensive midfielders, and you're going to bring in players that are going to go forward. 
He didn't have any. He had to bring in two other. He needed to bring in two other defensive midfielders. Right, but not necessarily because he didn't have anybody. That yeah, but not necessarily. I mean that it's not like a, a, a recipe that he that you take it's, the midfielders a, and you no, put but, but it's an, and but it's an option, attack. John. No. Right, but if it's an option, if you, if you're going if you're going to go forward and you need attacking players, you're going to try to take defensive players out who aren't going to be supposedly the strongest players going forward, right? Yeah, or you know, or exhausted. Right, I mean, you do that tactfully. You do that tactically. But he didn't have anybody. He had to bring in two other defensive players, but only just basically he's just refreshing the lineup and bringing in fresh legs, but he's not bringing anybody in who's going to be able to contribute in a great manner fo going forward. That's not their game. But that's self-inflicted. Glenn, you may have more details on this, but why in the world is Torarinson playing in front of Matarita? We all know that Matarita has some issues defending. This was just a rest. Has issues defending, attacking, and stopping the ball, passing the ball. Yeah, this was, according to the coach, this was all about refreshing the team. It was all about But giving him a rest. you try to win the game first, and then you refresh the team. Well, this no? was something that he did. Way, that he did. That he thought about during the week before the game. This wasn't something that and he came up the at the last second. That, that's he said that. Uh, well, he said that on the pregame that I did with him. I'm not sure if he said it in the presser, but he did say it was a rest thing with the. And he's gonna, so he's gonna do some minor rotation through these latter games. It would seem he's never gonna move more than well, and one or two players out of the lineup. That's not happening. He doesn't have that many to be able to rotate. Well, and to John's point, when you talk about the division and New York City really not being, as John's described, at the top four of MLS in the Eastern Conference right now, three out of the next four games are against those top opponents at Orlando, at Columbus home date against Montreal, and then at TFC, John. So the, the stretch doesn't get any easier. New York City really has exactly. to figure it out here over exactly. the next and you know, three, this three game weeks. At home, Tom, you're totally right. And if you have this game at home and you want to rest guys, you tell the guys, we're going to go out, we're going to kill the game, and at the 50 minutes, you're going out because I want your mm -hmm. legs fresh. I'm not going to yeah. put you on the bench, and then I need more of you because I'm losing the game. Yeah, they needed, they needed that game last night. I mean, that's the way I, I would look at it because of the rest of the schedule, Tom, as you put it out there. And, and on the road in Orlando and in Columbus, uh, the next two matches, wow. You know, uh, and, and Orlando now has uh, maximum rest. You know, they, they had their game postponed uh, against too. Columbus on the weekend. So they have an additional preparation day for New York City. Uh, Oscar said that today. They yeah. got on the field today and did things – against New York City in their training that they normally wouldn't have been able to because today would be a recovery day from the game. Yeah, they work on Sunday, so the yeah. full force today was New York City. Yeah, so uh, they're ahead of the game. They're more rested. New York City's going to a hotter climate, which the last time they went to a hotter climate, they won the game, but man, their legs went quick. <laughs> well, they're going to have to play Miami. differently. They're going to huh? have to play differently. I mean, if he doesn't yeah. learn the lesson of that you've got to play differently down there... Uglier than yesterday? Probably. It's supposed to be, I looked it up, 90 degrees during the day on Wednesday. And then at Fun. night it cools down to like 74 or something. So who knows what it'll be like. But <sighs> it, uh, Hey, and how about New England? Uh, I give credit to Paul Kennedy because I, I know on the broadcast, on the English side, we, you know, I brought up uh, Jones, By, Kessler, and uh, Tejan Buchanan as guys – who were drafted in 2018, two of them in 19, and then Kessler in 20, that were all starting this game. 
And I didn't realize Paul Kennedy, 10 of New England starters were college guys drafted out of college. Mm-hmm. They only had yeah. one, uh, one international. Only Panilla. Yeah. And only uh, Panilla was not, uh, was not college. And then he gets injured and replaced by Fagundes. Uh-huh. Yeah. I just thought. Yes, you guys, this real quick. So going back to Roberto's earlier opening statement, uh, certainly the lack of depth showed up in this one. Uh, but you look at the last two out of three games, Roberto, and the team struggled defensively against Miami. Some, a lot of poor passing, which led to the two goals for Miami. A little bit better against D.C., although they're not a potent attack by any means. And then you, I think you hit it right on the head in your opening statement. The, the mental lapses defensively were certainly costly against New England. How concerning is the, you know, is the last two or three games been defensively from, from a New York City perspective? Uh, I mean, you still look at this team, and uh, it is still the num- now number three team in the league as far as goals allowed, and that is on the good side, not on the bad side. Um, they were tied with New England coming in and behind Columbus. So, you know, every team is going to give up opportunities. Uh, the mental lapses, I think that's a one-off. I don't think that that's, a, that's not a permanent thing. I haven't seen that uh, throughout the season. I mean, obviously, mentally against uh, Miami, uh, the heat got to them and their legs went out. And so you wind up making a lot of bad decisions and a lot of bad plays just because of that. So I hope that lesson learned and that he structures the team and his tactics in a different way against Orlando. And if this is a team that has to, you know, sit back a lot more than they normally would and uh, try to save their energy and and be able to play better for 90 minutes, you know, they don't have to attack everybody. Well- well, let me time. ask you, Glenn, does New York City have two ways of approaching this game, a plan with Maxi and a plan without Maxi? I don't think Maxi's playing in this game. Uh, you know, I, he, made, he made a mention in the presser that uh, he was hoping maybe Wednesday, definitely by the weekend. And then when I had him in my pregame, it, it sounded m- much less likely Wednesday and then Sunday. And they won him 100% in two to three weeks. So my guess is that he will make a second half substitute appearance in the Columbus match. That's what I'm in Orlando. I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect him to be in Orlando. You know, I would like to see in Orlando, you know, that, that take a, a guy with Max's age coming out of that injury. You don't take him to a hot weather. No, they got to be careful. I mean, he's been so careful with him in the past. I can't imagine him just, you know, suddenly thrusting him into the lineup when, when he's not quite 100%. So. I would think he has a chance to sub, especially coming off a loss. I think that that accelerates the process. Well, we'll see. That's I mean, we'll find out on Wednesday. Put it in a person. But, I mean, he, I mean, it would be, depending on the game and how it is and what the score is, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go 20 minutes. As of coming Sunday, in the 70th minute. Just, just as an aside, as of Sunday – Maxi had not partaken in competitive full training as of Sunday. So okay. Monday, he's not going to because they're not going to go they're at it today. Uh, we're recording this on Monday. They didn't go at it today. Tomorrow, they're not going to go at it because they've got a game on Wednesday. It's just an awkward week. So that, I, I just think because of that, it's, it's unlikely to. All right, so what's the plan of attack for Orlando then? Ring has to be in the midfield. I mean, that's... He has to start in the midfield, and I would prefer seeing him start next to Sands. And if you got to keep Parks in the lineup, uh, push him more forward. And I don't know what you do with Medina. I don't like him as a ten. That's I, a he, position he can play. 
he's not a winger. Just because they put him there, it doesn't mean that's what he does. His best position is, a ten, is a, as a 10. And the thing is, is that, yes, he had a really poor game this time. But now this is like the first time throughout the season that he was as poor as he was here. I mean, we've been singing not exactly his praises per se, but we've been talking about all year about how much better he's played this year. But this was a bad game. Well, so I'm not about to just give up on him in that position yet. I mean, I understand absolutely why you want to have a ring in the middle. But maybe you change. Maybe you don't have to play the type. You don't have to play how they're playing. You what change is the, the what is, Can anyone recall a final pass made by Medina that created a, a big chance for New York City FC? A final pass, you know? To, no. I, no. I, he may have, but I can't remember. I don't have the stats in front of me. Okay, so no assists and probably none deserved. Maybe there's maybe there's something off a corner. I don't know. Uh, so he's got two goals. He's got that free kick goal against the worst wall in the history of soccer that FC Cincinnati uh, <laughs> set. And then his other goal was in the 3-1 loss to Orlando City down in the MLS's back tournament. Okay. You know, I mean, and it, it was a good goal. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he's, he's just a, he's another attacking player who's not dangerous. Gary Mackay Steven, attacking player who's not dangerous. He's better than Mackay Steven. Pardon? He's better than Mackay Steven. Well, I may not be saying a lot, but as far well, as the both, depth chart is concerned, I'll put Medina in rather than Gary Mackay Steven because Gary Mackay Steven, with all his running, doesn't yeah. really. I yeah. mean, what has he really contributed? Well, they bo- they're both playing because of their commitment to the defensive side of the ball. And look, I, I think you got to get out of if you if they get four points from these next two games, that'll be. Well, the massive moment of the season for them, and uh, whether that's possible or not, uh, I, I don't know. Castellanos, I said this to all you guys. I, I can't remember if I said it here or off mic or whatever. If Castellanos doesn't produce, they're not going anywhere. No, it's, it's, that's it. And, and they got to keep him out there. He can't, like, and I think he will. Um, but it's Castellanos insane, but has it, to produce. The whole lot of work that he does, he doesn't produce. That's the truth. That's the fact. And I'm, I mean, I like the guy and I like the, you know, the, the, the work ethic and yeah. he fights everything and he's there for the team. And, yeah. you know, if he has to play 200 minutes, he plays 200 minutes at the same level. And he, yes, he creates some kind of chances, but never truly, you know, materialize anything. So, yeah, he, need, he needs to score, period. He had a, great, he had a great shot. He had right. one fantastic shot that I don't know how Turner got up. But then again, yes. we've, been, we've been talking about Turner for a couple of years now, how he's one of the top goalies in the league, and he for sure proved it uh, against New York City. Yeah, but at the same time, when you have only one guy that has you know, that ability to at some point score for you, the system has to work. I'm not saying for him. But the system has to work to create those opportunities, to put him yeah. on the best chance possible. Not yeah. that he has to fight every single second to have a chance. Because and again, it comes down to depth. Mind and losing the guy stands, the position, every team, because he's fighting for the team. And at some point, you need this guy to stop fighting and finish him. Right. Finish. Well, at the same time, he also needs somebody to help create for him. 
You don't think he doesn't need anybody to create? Yeah, that's oh, what I'd sure. said. I, well, we're looking along. at, uh, we're doing video here. I know this is just audio, but I'm looking at John's reaction when I said that. Yeah, because eyes that's rolled exactly around his said. head. The system has to work for yeah. that, meaning but, uh, you need someone to right. create. So Morales will be, be that, but that's, but it, yeah, Max, but not having Morales, right, but not yeah. having Morales, again, shows Bulls. the lack of Cruz depth Bulls. that the team has that needs to, that it, so... I mean, if they don't address this depth issue this year, they're basically saying we're giving up on the year because this isn't a team that unless some miracle happens, this isn't a team that's going to win the championship. When they started the season, it was a team that had to be favored to be among those who could win the championship. But as presently constructed, due to the fact that they had injuries and that they decided to let Mitritsa go, now, this is a team that is not constructed to win a championship as it presently stands. That's well, they're not the going to sign anybody by Wednesday for Orlando, who's under No, no, that's fine. So. But, they, but look, they, they can <laughs> have somebody up that, and Tom? going. No, but I mean, they can have somebody up and running and going and being there in time for the playoffs, which is where it really counts at this point. Because New York City is getting into the playoffs. They're getting in. Now the point is, what do you do once you get there? And this isn't like two-game series. Let's remember, this is one and done. And you need that depth. Because so John, it's presently constructed, it's not happening. Point taken, Roberto. So, John, going back to the game against Orlando, how do they best create opportunities for Castellanos up top in this match? It's, it's hard to say, but at the same time, there's not many options. So I think, one, uh, I agree that Reen has to go to the middle. And I probably, I mean, it's either a flip coin between Medina and Makai Steven, but they have to go to the win because Reen has to go to the middle and, and they can to figure out even if, if parts go in the middle as, as a, you know, and I don't, I, I don't want to say number 10 because that is not a number 10, but in the middle of that uh, line of three behind the four, or, uh, or, or either ring there, not to play as a number 10, but to pressure higher, to get the ball quicker in front of, of uh, Orlando City's goal and have Castellanos more options on that side. Because if you recover fast and you have your number nine there, you're closer to that uh, point of, of, of finishing the play. The other, the other way is just go around. Just try to you know, tell the guy, don't get out of the box. Today... You're finishing. Today, you're there for us to finish. We're going to throw as many balls as we can, either getting to the, to the end line and crossing the ball so you can head it in, or we're going to create connections through the wings and you're going to finish. But you need the guy to be there to finish. You cannot ask your only guy to be running around, pushing defenders, getting to the final line, and, and not having him in front of the goal to finish. So I think that's the only option right now because you don't have so many, you know, players that can change the game. Now, with the things that Roberto's saying, I just, I just having a little conflict because in one side, he's saying that the situation puts Maxi to play a little bit sooner rather than later. But at the same time, you're saying NYCFC is going to the playoffs, so they need to figure out what is going to happen next. Because that is going to happen. Take care of the guy that can create for you so he's ready for players. Yeah. And I agree with that 100%, John, but it's not going to be enough. 
even with Maxi, I don't think that's enough. Yeah. Well, the boy, it's all um, it's all rather interesting. I think the victory over DC United sort of uh, maybe hid some of the uh, weaknesses and you know a, a bit, and then you come into a game against the New England well-coached side, and I'll tell you what, they were they were real dangerous on the flanks with their fullback and their and their winger on either side, and and what they did. Um, that was, uh, and that's without that's without Gustavo Bo and Carlos Hill. So they were missing two pretty like important Caicedo, players. who's too. been out all year. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you guys this. Let's stick on the Eastern Conference for a minute. Who's the next coach of D.C. United? Let's oh. give it to Jill Ellis. I'm it's, all in on Jill Ellis. Nah, I'm it's not seriously Ellis. all ill on Jill Ellis. Nah, I don't, I don't think that would be a, a good move on her part, personally. Why? Because. Because I don't know if that's for her. I think my, this is my opinion. Now, I interviewed Jill last week. I, I'm almost sorry I didn't get more into this. I got into the uh, women coaching men thing, and, and it kind of led to a youth soccer situation, which made a lot of sense. She said she met a mother who said, you know, little young boys really respond to their mothers, you know, probably more than their fathers. So her point was, you know, when, when boys are six, seven, eight, nine years old, that's where women should start coaching them. And then you break down this barrier and this uncomfortable thing that a woman might. Uh, so we kind of got to that, and I never got back to MLS. But I think she's better suited to come in as an assistant rather than come in as a head coach, possibly fail. And then, you know, you're, you're partly representing um, your gender when you do something like that. All right. And, and if she comes in and it, and it just goes south and she, it, it just doesn't work out, it, it's going to be a setback. I just don't uh, think it's the right time. Well, see, here's my issue, okay, with that, with that sort of statement. And it's this. If it was some guy, okay, who had famous pedigree, no matter what it is, okay, they'll give him a chance to do it. And if he fails, he fails. I mean, it shouldn't be put on her that this is like a, a referendum on gender. Do you this live is in a, our society? No, I, still. But, I mean, this is where you've got to have the guts to say, screw society. I'm doing this because she's qualified for the job. I'm giving her this job because she deserves it. She's a winning pedigree. She's won two World Cups. She's got all, she's got all the knowledge that you need to be a successful coach. Give her the job. Give her the job, period. Yeah. Forget about the fact that it's a woman. Trust me, if she puts the right tactics together and she's able to motivate players, she'll get the results. Now she'll you get have the to, results. The one thing I want you to, the history, and I, you know, I've, I've uh, come to really like Jill and uh, we've become friendly and uh, she knows I was, I've been critical of her in the past. Uh, but let's, let's just look at her where she's coached okay? okay and she's had great success wherever she's been ucla you know so she's got seven to ten high school all-americans on her team every year okay so and they went to the final four like seven consecutive years never won a national championship but a fantastic record there so there, you know you have to do something right to get to that position but i'm just telling you uber talented teams and ucla speaks loudly to that you know it's ucla Okay. Mm -hmm. Then uh, now the U.S. Women's National Team. It's you know the best best players in the world. <laughs> but but 
There's a big but. Before and, the, before and the World she almost Cup screwed in it up in 2015. Well, she on. almost screwed it up in 2015 but, with wait. the best players. Okay. In 2015, there was a lot of talk about maybe she isn't good enough, and they put a lot of responsibility on her, okay, of how the, uh, how the team was going to play and if the team wasn't going to be successful. And how there it was, was set a up. Lot of, that was a lot of negativity towards her that she was going to be the one to ruin the team and that they weren't going to win the World Cup. And she Not- got through that and they won the World Cup and they won it going away. Okay? They destroyed Japan in the final. Yep, they didn't win it going away. I'm sorry. It was 3-1 before 10, 3-zip before 10 minutes. I, re- I recall that. A player I coached scored some of those goals. I know. I know. Despite you, they succeeded. <laughs> All right, John, what's your word? My last – I wanted the last word on this debate because I don't think it should be any debate. Uh, for once, of course, I agree that, that there should be an opportunity for, for Jill Ellis to uh, coach at some point on the men's side, and not only for her but many other women. But it will be very ignorant on my side to have a debate on this when we have Glenn Crooks explaining the inside and the outside, having the history that he has in the women's game and knowing the, the personnel that we're talking about. So I think the, the, the um, authority that Glenn has... Uh, Are you deferring to me, John? Years, Are you deferring to me, John? On this case and this matter, I cannot do anything else. To be Glenn, all right, let me ask you this, Glenn. Could, does it matter where she, if she were to be an assistant first, do you see her working well with a specific coach or it could be anywhere now unless as long as she's like the lead assistant? I, I, I think it might be one of the – she took the pro license course. She's one of only – she's the only woman out of 48 – candidates who have gone through the U.S. soccer pro license course. And a lot of those uh, men that have passed through are, are MLS head coaches or assistant coaches or USL head coaches. So I wouldn't be, and they were impressed with her. I mean, I've, I've heard people that took the course with her and they were impressed with her. So it wouldn't be out of the question that one of those people, you know, like a Peter Vermees or somebody like that w- would bring her in, you know, because they respect her quality uh, and, and that's, to me, that's the way to get going. Now, would Jill Ellis take an assistant's job? I don't know. There's a, a woman who coaches the French national team who Jill's very good friends with, Corinne Diacre. She coached a Ligue de men's side, and I'm forgetting the name, but I know they had success before she took over the, uh, the French women. And uh, we, we talked about that a little bit too as far as a woman getting a chance to coach men. It's a difficult road to hoe. Uh, I agree with what you're saying, Roberto. It's just, I've asked enough, so many women, are, are you sick of being, you know, Megan Cameron, a former player of mine, who's the only woman in player personnel in MLS. Uh, she, when she worked for MLS in New York City, she was one of, you know, she'd be in a room of 48 people, one woman, 47 guys. And, you know, I, I kind of asked her, are you sick of being like, you know, you know, you're the first, you know, making a big deal out of it rather than just saying, look, you know, I can do the job. And I think it, we're getting closer, but um, not yet, man. If people like Mike Petke can basically step off the field to the sideline and I'm not going to, and you know, he did a fine job. Okay. Why can't somebody who's got an experienced pedigree in coaching, who's had all sorts of success, not be not be given an opportunity 
If he fails, it's like, hey, he fails. Okay, so she fails, she fails. But let her fail on her merit. Give her a chance to fail. Don't say, I don't, you know, it, it might be too difficult for all the women who might follow you who, or who might not follow you, so I don't want to really give you that chance. Screw it. Give her the chance. And by the way, it might turn out to be the best thing you ever did. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about DC United offering her the job. I'm talking about her wanting and desiring. Uh, that, that's a different. If she doesn't want to take it, you know, that's because that that's a different ball game, okay? And if she doesn't want to take it because this is a team that needs to be basically rebuilt from zero, because they've got all sorts of issues there, including you know spending money, uh, the team may be sold again. They've got all sorts of things going on, and maybe she doesn't want to get involved with something like that. That's understandable, but let that be her choice. Let that be hey, her choice. How about who the uh, supposedly one of the other candidates is Jason Christ? So uh, that's interesting unto itself. Exactly. Yeah. That's what happened in Orlando. Not that he doesn't deserve another chance. He does. But, I mean, if I have that choice right now, and no disrespect to Jason, I'll give her a shot. I don't know if you guys saw this. Just a cool note about Ben Olsen. Um He has been, a since DC United's inception, as a player or coach, he has been a part of, 70% of their matches since yeah. coming to the league. I mean, that's pretty cool. And, and, Obviously, and it didn't end the way he wanted, but... That is wild, yeah, man. But he's going to keep being on their uh, payroll. Right. So. Yeah. I was thinking Can I go back I mean, to one other thing? Yeah. I just want to go back to another thing about Ellis. Can you imagine also, and I'm not thinking about this as far as the reason I would do it, but it's an important aside. Can you imagine all the attention that this would get? All the media attention? That this would get? No, with DC United. It would with DC United. They actually have the most imp one of the two most important newspapers in the entire country covering them every single day. Damn right it would be. And online. they put them on the front page. No, it's not online. It's on the paper. This isn't New York where everybody ignores the, the fact that there's soccer here. You know, every so often somebody writes a story. Okay, He's they're in the paper It'd be all a the time. There's no question it'd be a cool story. I'm just, uh, I would be concerned about it, uh, whether, you know, she's exactly right. And like you said, it's a, it's a tough situation anybody's coming into, you know, that's, there's going to be failure before success. Um, and the other way to look at that, I guess, is there's no place to go but up, yeah. you know, organize. Not exactly a lot more. of pressure. I mean, there'll so, be some pressure on her because she's a woman, but. So since we're. That, that, but I think I, she's got strong shoulders. She can handle it. On the topic of women's football, and uh, Tom, at the end when uh, we're giving our plugs, I'll, I'll leave this one out now, okay? But um, I'm moderating uh, two sessions at the Athens Women's Football Summit, uh, one on uh, Tuesday and one on Thursday. On Thursday, James Clarkson, the Houston Dash coach, they won the, MLS, the NWSL championship out in Utah. And uh, Carolina Morace, who is a a former Italian international who's one of the great goal scorers in the history of the game on the women's side. We don't hear much about her here in the States, but she was the Canadian national team coach. That's where I got to know her. And then uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, we're recording this on Monday, Elise LaHue, general manager at Sky Blue, and Ariane Hingst, who's the assistant manager at Wolfsburg. And if you watch the Women's World Cup on Fox the last two uh, World Cups, uh, Ariane was the uh, – she was a studio analyst, and she was sharp, man. She was good. I don't even remember her, but but I uh, when oh, I, I love her. 
when I found out I was moderating and she was on, I was like, oh, that's good. I'm looking forward to chatting with her. But anyway, so that's she's coming great. Up. I wanted her on Fox's coverage of the Men's World Cup. Yeah, she because she, she's fantastic. She had, no, she had great, great chemistry with everybody on that set. And she she just articulated everything really well, uh, as opposed to some of the people on that set. And then <laughs> I am. Let's. Let's bring it back to New York City for a second, because Glenn brought up a good point. This is a, a critical stretch. Again, not that the game, again, another good point. That, yes. Well, you, you have one or two, um, but not that the game against New England wasn't because it's now a little more separation in that top four. But you look at these other midweek games. Right, you have uh, New England at Montreal. New England will be a favorite there. Cincinnati hosting Columbus. Columbus will be a favorite there. Toronto hosting Red Bulls. TFC will be a favorite there. And Philly on the road at DC. Philly will be a favorite. So the, the teams in front of you, John, will all be favorites in their midweek games. And, of course, the key matchup as we focus in on New York City and Orlando, number one, what's the one key thing for this first matchup? And do you agree with Glenn that, if they can get four points between Orlando and Columbus, uh, that will be a success. Which I guess, which game do they have a better chance of getting that all three points? Of course, those four points. If, as Glenn mentioned, I mean that will be solid for New York City FC. I don't think is. Uh, I mean, it's, it's feasible, it's possible because it's the game, right? But what we've seen lately. It's hard to believe that they're going out on those two teams and, and get four points out of those two games. But that will be huge for, for New York City FC. The thing now is, is in my mind, and, and it's not much to fix right now, but in my mind, the roster hasn't been managed properly through the season. And New York City FC left points because of that. And New York City FC uh, has lost games that did not have to lose. And... And now they are in a situation in which confidence is not high because, you know, they're not playing their best game, but the options are not that much. So you need to go with whatever you have and take as much as you can and, and go game by game. Because, you know, I mean, I understand it's hot and you even don't know if there's going to be maybe a delay because of weather in the middle of the, of the game in Orlando but you need to go and try to win that game as much as possible. I mean, and if you have a lead, you have to protect that lead as is, you know, the final game of the season because you don't know what's going to happen next. You cannot be thinking about four days, you know, down the road in the next game because you're going to be start losing options every single time and, and trying to think on the whole picture, you're missing the chance to get points now and then. Yeah, it's a, I mean... You wonder if he has to consider changing a little bit about how they, they really want to play. You know, you do have Castellanos and Trotti up top who are good counterattack options, you know, if you choose to sit back. And it just, you know, they, they certainly can't press for 90 minutes in Orlando no. with the limited rest and Orlando's full go. You know, it's just... Uh, and and they just had... You know, they, they just had a game in Miami where the, where the temperature and the humidity, it was very similar to what they're going to face in Orlando. So it's not like it's not fresh in their memory of, you know, what the conditions are going to be like and what the obstacles are. 
All right. Well, Roberto, where can people tune in for this midweek broadcast on the Spanish side? So we're going to be again, as always, on uh, our tune-in radio station, uh, audio station, if you'd like, uh, digital audio that you can easily find on nycfc.com slash radio. If you want to look for it on TuneIn, it's part of the New York City FC uh, network. So you can find it there. You can follow me on Twitter at Rob Abramowitz, and you can also... Find me on Facebook at Roberto Abramowitz Oficial with one F. What else? Oh, yes, I'm on Instagram sharing car and cat photos all the time on at, uh, at Roberto Abramowitz. All right, Glenn Crooks, tell us about the English broadcast. I'm not sharing any cat photos. I'm, I'm busy in iMovie making clips and, and, and showing the supporters and giving them some of the, you know, the love and, and the necessary information uh, that they 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 want to glean, you know, to help them prepare for each match. But thank you, are you Roberto. Say, are you saying that I don't do that? Who spends more time on social media promoting our broadcast than I do? Oh my not just god! Pro- not just promoting it's like, the broadcast. It's like ad nauseum. How many how many clips uh, from press conferences have you integrated into your Twitter account? And then get back to me, okay? Uh, Tom, I'm at Glenn Crooks. <laughs> <laughs> How's that worked out for you, by the way? Just, uh, just want to know. Thank you. Uh, okay. NYC, it's same thing, nycfc.com slash radio. You can listen to the English or the Spanish or both. First half me, second half Roberto, whatever you like. I got Tom Kolker with me and Maddie Lawrence for Wednesday's broadcast and also Sunday's broadcast against Columbus. And what's our airtime Wednesday? 7.15, right? Yeah, 7.15, 7.30 pregame. And I'll have Ronnie Dyla, and uh, we'll see what he has to say about that last match. I'm sure it's something they want to forget about. All right. That's a strong three-man booth on the English side. John Rojas, what are you working on? (laughs) Does your back hurt from all the padding? I'm just wondering. (laughs) Pun intended. (laughs) Listen. uh, Ariel's back. uh, His hurts from having to carry the broadcast every week. Well, that's true. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Ariel's still trying to get a word in. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. Before I leave, I just want to leave you with this uh, news because, uh, I mean, I know New York City FC doesn't have players on international duty, but uh, media in Peru is reporting four cases of COVID-19 among the Jesus. players in the national camp. I'm not going to mention names. They're having names already out, but this is not official. So, the word is at least one player from MLS is infected. So Ugh. let's see what happens. Remember, Seattle Sanders has player. Orlando has players. Uh, Portland Timbers has a player on the Peruvian national team camp. Hey, one thing, we're not going to get into this, but you got. I'm going to remember, Arsene Wenger proposed some rule changes, the former Arsenal's coach. He's now working on the FIFA committee of some sort so we gotta we have to we have to go over each one of these because uh, a couple of them are really interesting let's save that for the next episode yeah we'll save it just teasing it you know okay all right maybe maybe we'll we'll have the full hour next time you know if somebody you know well anyway yeah Um, with our cats (laughs) all right for glenn john and roberto i'm tom thanks so much for listening to another episode of soccer in the city